everybody, and welcome to the Sulp Niar Pool. I'm Diana. I'm Andrew. And we are a podcast for the in-depth and semi-serious discussion of the young adult sci-fi book series, Animorphs. In case this is your first time reading the Animorphs, we divide our show into a spoiler-free and spoiler-intensive section. And today, we are very excited to be talking about the first Megamorphs book, Megamorphs number one, The Andalite's Gift. So, uh... Oh, before we start, so Megamorphs number one, The Analyte's Gift, came out in May 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to know what the number one song was at that time? Uh, yeah. Was it okay. the Macarena? <laughs> uh, no. So there were actually, there were two in May 1997, as can sometimes happen. Hypnotize by the Notorious B.I.G., which I don't actually know. And the second one was our favorite song. Mbop. Mbop by Hanson. It's a classic. Everybody should listen to it. It's one of our outros. I think we actually force you to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, all of our three listeners. So, so yeah. So, I guess keep that in mind. Let that set the scene. Shall we just get into it? Um, Sure. So, the cover is five of the Animorphs, or all of the Animorphs, depending on your thoughts. But Axe is absent. <laughs> That's what you're trying to say. Axe yeah. isn't there. So that's kind of weird. The other thing I thought was weird about the cover was that um, Cassie is a fly. Like, it's all the people, it's all the Animorphs in their kind of battle morph. Jake is a tiger. Rachel's a bear. Sure, sure. Makes sense. Cassie's a fly. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just drawing from the book. There are other morphs you could use for Cassie. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of unflattering to her. Especially in this book. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's exactly well, what I'm maybe saying. Maybe it would be hard for... For them to do like half whale, half human face, you know, dolphin, dolphin. I guess that could that could work. Yeah, like this is kind of a Cassie book in my mind. I, isn't every book a Cassie book in your mind? Well, this book has some heroic feats. Okay, accomplished by that. Cassie. But anyway, that's the cover. Okay, so chapter one starts with Jake. Uh, we get the normal exposition stuff. So he's kind of just filling everybody in on. You know, the whole I can't tell you my name thing, my last name. Sure, sure. Fill it in for the people that, you know, mm-hmm. are just joining late. So then they're in the barn, as they often are. Rachel is considering whether or not she can go to gymnastics camp. And then they decide that she does. In any case, Rachel later is going to go fly to Tobias, but then she's mobbed by Jays and then boinks into a tree. And this causes her to develop amnesia. I was wondering if she morphed, like, because she was attacked in morph. Yeah. So she demorphs. Wouldn't you expect that she would be fine? Right. I, I see what you're saying, because that's supposed to heal bodily injuries. Mm-hmm. But I think it maybe goes into, like, the mental, physical dichotomy that is, like, kind of enforced by morph, right? So this is more of a mental thing? Yeah, like a concussion is a thing that happens to your mind, you know, and your mind stays intact. Your mind, like, in this world is, like, separated from the physical things that happen to you. Yeah, I guess, but a concussion is a physical thing. Like, she got hit physically. No, I, I, it's her I brain. that, yeah. But for whatever reason, I think that we are operating like this is yeah. a mental thing, so it's yeah. preserved. So that was one reason why I thought this whole premise of this entire book was kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, amnesia, you know. 
Well, yeah. I'm sure you have things Leading to me to the other premise, <laughs> or the other reason why the entire premise is weird, which is you don't really ever have situations where a hit on the head will cause you to lose memories from before mm-hmm. the event. Like, yes, you can definitely get amnesia from a concussion or whatever, but it's usually either just the events like right around the time that you got hit, just like whatever was happening mm-hmm. then you don't really remember. It was kind of a blur. Or maybe you you could have um, anterograde amnesia, mm-hmm. which is like everything from that moment forward is hard to make new memories because maybe you had so much damage to your yeah. whatever, whatever. But it's not really the case that hitting someone on the head will like cause them to forget what they had been doing before or mm-hmm. especially who they are, which is yeah. what happens to her. Or everything that they've been doing. Before. Or like, yeah, major parts of their life, which we'll get into. We'll get into. But she forgets a lot. Uh-huh. Well, I guess we'll just have to suspend our disbelief. No, right. Exactly. I mean, it's. I feel like it's a common enough plot device that it's like, okay, I guess, we I have guess to this can it. happen. Okay. Meanwhile, Marco wants to sneak into Darlene's pool party, which he's kind of miffed that he wasn't invited to. And he's blackmailed Axe to help him because Axe has fleas, which Marco tells him is a rare disease that only Marco has to care for. Which is flea powder. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Axe. Being swindled. Oh, the other thing that uh, happens in this conversation is Marco is, like, explaining to Axe what it means to like someone, mm-hmm. but not not like them. Like, 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 like. them. Yeah. Which I feel is kind of a key, you know, that's, like, a key part of learning. Human culture. Adolescent human culture. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. So I'm, I was proud of Axe for kind of graduating to that level. It's pretty yeah. good. He's learning so much. So then at the pool party, they're in mouse morph and kind of just generally wreaking havoc. So people are chasing Axe and Marco around. They flee to the basement. But then once they're demorphing, a huge mysterious tornado-like thing hits the house. So I guess they're humans, right? At the time that the dust monster comes yeah. to the house. So they're just in the basement. Mm-hmm. And it like mobs the house. Yeah, it it just destroys it. It's like gone. Yeah. yeah. So what is this thing? Yeah. Well, Crazy. our listeners have already read the book. No, I know. But at that time, I'm saying, you're like, what is this thing? Yeah. And then cut to Rachel, who is like, uh, like discovers herself as a half bird, half human thing and seems to know enough to know that like, that's weird. Yeah. She knows what birds and humans are. But she doesn't know. I don't think she knew whether she was a human or a bird when Mm -hmm. she initially woke up. So she's, like, figuring that out. <laughs> uh, and so she somehow figures out how to morph back to human, but then that attracts the the dust thing. Yeah, well, this, this like, set of scenes is, like, you see the same sequence of, like, 10 mm-hmm. minutes from everybody's perspective. So we just got, like, Marcos at the party. Then we have Rachel, who at the same time is, like, trying to figure out who she is. And then the dust monster comes back to her. And at the same time, you get Tobias's perspective, who's like, you know, hanging out, getting some sweet thermals, flying cover for the party to like mm-hmm. see if anything terrible happens, which it does, you know, of course. So then he sees the dust cloud kind of descend on the party, but then like change his mind and go 
to the woods. And then you cut back to Rachel, who still doesn't really know what's happening, but like demorphs. She's a human. The thing chases her around for a little bit and literally like shreds some like a truck on the highway. Ben and Jerry's truck. Yeah. Yeah. Ben and Jerry's truck. And um, it like looks at her, I guess. Kind of unclear on whether on the extent to which the Valik has the ability to like see and recognize things. Mm hmm. Um, which maybe we can talk about once we get to the the ending, but, but yeah, so that's, that like all happens at the same time, but we get it from like everybody's perspective, which is kind of cool. I do like that. I like when that happens in TV as well. Yeah. So then the Animorphs are later watching the news report about the tornado and then Cassie spots Rachel on TV. And so they know, oh, oh, she didn't make it to a gymnastics camp. One of the kind of themes of this book is not knowing where the other people are. Mm-hmm. And you, the audience, know what's happening because it's a... Do love dramatic memories. Then we cut back to Rachel, who meets a crazy ex-controller lady in a shack in the woods. Oh, yeah, wait, haven't we heard of her before? So the theory is that in the first book, mm-hmm. where the Animorphs go to the Yerk Pool, some humans escape with them. Mm-hmm. And I think... The, this lady that Rachel meets in the woods is theorized to be one of them. Okay, because I was also thinking that she... This this is not mutually exclusive with that theory, but it also sounds like she used to work at a store, mm-hmm. and I was guessing maybe that store was The Gap, mm-hmm. because all everybody that worked at The Gap had to become a controller in order to become... In order an to entrance. make it into an entrance to the Yerk Pool. So, and that would make a lot of sense, because then, like, the moment that she was captured would be while she was working at The Gap, and she... Seems to have this whole thing going where she, like, has a makeshift store. Yeah. Um, She's like, let me know if you'd like to try anything on. And it seems like it's a store where, like, Rachel would shop. So, anyway, Mm -hmm. I felt like that made sense. Yeah, I think she's a very interesting character. Also, what happens to her? Because basically what we see next is she is, like, not sure whether Rachel is a controller, right? So she does the only logical thing and decides to kill Rachel by burning burning the house down. Yeah. Yeah. Trapping her in like the basement and burning the house down. So she, this like woman, obviously is out roaming. Well, I was thinking about this um, and maybe you'll have more to say in the B-side, but like due to society. Yeah. uh, People like this are, you know, not taken very seriously. So it could be that there is there are a lot of like ex-controllers who fell through the, the cracks in the York. Mm-hmm. Uh, machine, but are just not able to actually out the invasion due to the like lingering effects of being a, a former controller and like how we as a society uh, view like people who present like this, people who present as crazy ladies in a shack in the woods. Yeah, but I mean, Jake was also, but he was only like that for a few days. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he I, did I actually have some lasting. He did actually have some lasting effects from that because there was the whole like seeing that eye at the yeah. end when the Yurk died inside his brain. Yeah, that was not that great. Was, so yeah, so maybe it is. This is the case that like everybody that yeah. ends up not having a Yurk inside them. Probably length of infestation has something to do with it. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so but the Animorphs are trying to track down Rachel, Jake, and Marco morph Wolf. 
But then right after they morph, the dust monster descends on them, basically. They're running through the trees, like, to get away from the dust monster thing. And they're like, okay, the trees seem to be slowing it down. Let's, like, go, let's just keep running through the trees. And then Tobias is like, you guys are about to run out of trees. Um, So they're, like, definitely going to die. Then the dust monster suddenly stops, turns towards the cabin that they had already smelled because they're in Wolfmore. Mm -hmm. The dust monster goes towards the cabin because Rachel is morphing morphing bear. bear. So they, Jake and Marco, were like probably going to get uh, whatever, ground up or whatever they thought was going to happen by mm-hmm. the, the dust monster. But then it left. Okay. So Rachel is able to break out of the burning shack as she morphs bear. And she's kind of like figuring out this whole morphing thing as she goes. And then she sees Axe, who is there in his Andalite body. Right, right. And Axe is like, oh, is that you, Rachel? And Rachel's like, who's what? Rachel? What? 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 Uh, so, you know, I guess that is the thing. Rachel doesn't mm-hmm. know who she is. Um, oh, so then we get our first Axe chapter, which I was excited about because I was not even sure. Axe wasn't even on the cover. So I was like, is yeah. he even going to, you know? But yeah, you basically see the same thing. And Axe set, discovers... That the morphing, I guess, is what is drawing the beast's attention. Yeah. And then he morphs bird. And then he sees that the beast is, like, going for him. And then it carries him off. Right. Right, right, right. So then you get another example of this, like, dramatic irony Mm -hmm. situation. Because, like, Tobias, Jake, and Marco happen upon the scene. Because they, you know, they smelled the burning cabin. Mm -hmm. They saw the beast go after. They're like, what happened? And they see the tracks. It super looks like Axe might have died, I guess, to them. And I think they also see some tracks that they're guessing are from Rachel. Um, but they don't really know mm-hmm, what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, because they see some bear tracks. Yeah. And then they stop at the at the water. Mm-hmm. So they don't super know what's going on, but they're kind of on Rachel's path. Then uh, Marco and Jake go home to eat dinner. Yeah, I guess this happens a lot in the Animars, where we see them fighting the Yerks and risking their lives, and then they just have to go home and be normal kids. Except for Tobias. Except for Tobias, because he's a hawk. Yeah. (laughs) So Jake and Marco have been looking for Rachel in the woods, but Cassie has been hitting up the usual haunts, I guess. Yeah, which she kind of has a whole thing about that because she's like, oh, Jake asked me to go look at the places where Rachel hangs out. But like, did he just ask me that because I'm a Mm -hmm. girl? But he wouldn't have asked Rachel to do that and stay out of danger. Yeah. Or maybe it's just because she knows the usual haunts. Yeah, I was thinking it might be because he likes her. Mm -hmm. Like. Like he likes likes her. Yeah. Uh, He wanted her to be, you know, out of danger. Mm -hmm. And then Cassie was also thinking maybe it was because she told Jake about her dream and how she's Mm -hmm. all angsty and stuff but i don't think that jake like they're all angsty at this point so i don't i don't know that that's enough we all have bad dreams you know (laughs) yeah um so she's at the mall one of rachel's favorite spots uh and then she spots chapman the vice principal who is also a controller and then decides to tail him as a fly one thing that was kind of dropped in there was that she sees him go into a bookstore and she's like okay sweet i have enough time it looks like he's looking at books I have enough time to more fly and then come out and follow him. 
But she had this like throwaway line where she was like, why is a controller looking at history books? Mm -hmm. And I was like, why is a controller looking at history books? Mm -hmm. I I mean, Chapman is there to meet with uh, some other controllers. So maybe he has just picked a thing that is human-esque to do while he waits for them. Mm -hmm. And he didn't feel like going to Cinnabon or the Limited or whatever. Okay, yeah, good point. I wasn't thinking about that. I was hoping that maybe it was some Easter egg thing where, like, they're actually planning something that's, like, a la something that happened in, like, the Civil War or whatever. Okay, Applegate loves that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I guess, yeah, maybe you're just looking for something to do. We've yeah. all been there. So in the next two parts, both Axe and Cassie sort of figure out the same information. Mm-hmm. Axe hears it from, like, Mr. Three's classic yeah. evil monologue about... Yeah. Just laying out the whole the whole plot, just everything. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you exactly what I'm planning. Oh, yes. Uh, and then Cassie is on Chapman and hears him talking with uh, controllers from the police and the news who are trying to cover up the whole the leak thing. And so they learn that it is indeed hunting down morphs. As Cassie and Axe are learning this information, uh, Rachel has figured out how to morph out of bear. So she morphs out and then follows a stream out of the forest towards civilization. Uh, That was another one, which was interesting to me. Like, she has this thought where she's like, okay, I need to find civilization. How am I going to do that? Hmm, I don't know. And then she, like, closes her eyes and, like, thinks for a little bit. And then she's like, I got it. I'll follow the stream. But... I'm not sure. If, yeah. I'm that not doesn't sure if that make works. sense to me. Yeah. Why? Why? I don't know. I mean, I guess if she's going downstream, it is maybe more likely to lead to either the ocean or a fresh body of water, mm-hmm. both of which are more likely to have civilization than upstream. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's true. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. I was also wondering if maybe it was like, because it kind of seemed like she was trying to embody the bear. And so I was thinking maybe she, maybe the bear somehow knows. knows. I don't know if bears know that. Although maybe they do. Well, like maybe when she was in the bear brain, the bear brain could sense that there were people Mm -hmm. in one direction or something. I'm not sure. It just seemed like a weird moment to me that she mm-hmm. was like, oh, I got it. I'll follow the stream. I was like, you do not know your name, but you seem like pretty sure about this. You yeah. Know? And maybe that like plot wise, she needed to get from point A to point B. Right. right. But I think in this podcast, we have to, you know, yeah. take everything as as canon, not just a plot. Absolutely. A plot thing. So she follows the stream. She gets to like a, a suburb area. Cut to everybody else, basically. Jake, Cassie, Marco, and Tobias, and they're kind of just at the barn trying to figure out what to do, I guess. And yeah, I just thought it was interesting that Marco and Jake were the ones that were there in the forest. Mm -hmm. And Marco phrases it as like, oh, it almost got us. And then Mm -hmm. Cassie's the one who's like, why? Why didn't it get you? What happened? Mm -hmm. So Rachel, back in the suburbs has uh, snuck into an empty house, which is being painted. And then kind of the whole time she's been having some random flashbacks to her, I guess, previous life. And she goes to sleep and has some more nightmare flashbacks. 
Then the police come. They've heard reports of a break-in, and they do a knock and shout, and then she morphs elephant. Like, somewhat consciously, but this is the classic Rachel move. No, yeah, she was like, ooh, I can morph something really, really big. Awesome. And also later, she's like, wait, we can morph small things? And Cassie's like... Why would you do that? Cassie's like, oh, Rachel. (laughs) I mean, if you have an elephant morph, I feel like you should bust it out whenever you can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Also, okay, so then uh, we kind of go back to Cassie's, and they're, like, wrapping up their meeting or whatever. And they, as they're, like, walking their bikes out, Cassie, Jake, and Marco, they see the Valique um, flying through the air. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to do it. We got to go for it. So they're going to do this, like, keep away thing where they, they morph to distract it from whatever it's doing. Because mm-hmm. I guess their reasoning, it must be going after Rachel. They are like, how are we going to get there? And they see um, Cassie's dad's pickup truck. And Cassie's like, no, 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 no. But it's Jake who says, let's do it. Let's do it. The classic. I mean, the they are cousins. Line. I guess they are cousins. Yeah. But I was also thinking it's kind of poetic because it's like they're doing it for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and. Um, and you like that. Yeah. Anyway. So. uh so as Rachel is like finishing morphing elephant and like blah, getting at the, you know, that's what yeah. elephants do. Um, <clears throat> the, the Valique comes and is on her now. And it tries to pick her up. Yeah. But it can't. She's too heavy. She's too heavy. Who knew? There's a weight that's limit. how strong the leaks are, you know. Yeah, she even has a, a thing where she's like, the heaviest elephant ever was 22,000 pounds. I, that was pretty cool. She's just dropping some elephant facts. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the weight limit for the Valique is like 10,000 pounds or whatever. Yeah. Now we know. So Marco is driving, and um, <laughs> possibly one of the best lines from the Animorphs, he's like hitting all these trash cans and trying to... I guess he just wants validation that he's a good driver. And he's like, it's okay. It's fine. It's just a trash can. Okay. So it's four trash cans. And Jake is like, do you hate trash cans? Is that your problem? Do you just hate trash cans? Obviously all caps. And I feel like reading that was just, you know, brings me back to reading the first time. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great scene. Yet another scene that would be good in a sitcom. Oh, absolutely. Or a movie. So the plan does work. Jake is morphing Tiger in the back of a pickup truck, which is a pretty hilarious image. Yeah, I was thinking about that because they're morphing from human to animal mm-hmm. in the pickup truck. And there's all these police around. Well, maybe he's lying down. Well, so. just I mean, are they not worried that any of them are controllers who might put two and two together if they see right. humans and then animals? I mean, definitely some of the police are controllers as we see. No, them. right. But yeah, I guess they're just playing a little bit more fast, fast and loose with Ooh. their, all right, with their identities. As we kind of talked about this in the last book as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was also thinking maybe the police are. Well, it, it's just like they don't find out that they're yeah. humans. You know, maybe it is just all happening pretty fast. Stupid. Or I was thinking maybe they're too far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not because of the caution of the animorphs did they not find out. <laughs> So Jake goes tiger and then bails out of the pickup truck. The Valique is chasing him and he's using his 
agility to evade the Valique by making like tight turns and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I think before that, he's the tiger in the truck and Marco is like driving the truck and he's like, awesome, we're on the highway. It's just like the video game now. Perfect. This is my element. (laughs) Um, But then Marco, like the Valique is gaining on them. So Marco's Mm -hmm. like, I'm doing it. I'm going off road. And (laughs) Jake's like, oh, my God. Um, But yeah. And then after that, he does these like Mm -hmm. acrobatics. He learns that the Valique can't turn. Like it takes a long time to turn around. Which is interesting because... When you think about what the Vleek is as it's revealed to us, it should be like pretty good at it turning. It should be like really good at turning. But maybe there's some like the hive mind that coordinates it is maybe a little Yeah, I was thinking slow to coordinate. Once they're in formation, the mm-hmm. little bugs. Like first of all, maybe they only have one formation they can take. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they have to rotate the whole formation. Yeah. Or once they're in formation, maybe they just have a hive mind for that formation. So it's like mm-hmm. hard to, they would have to disperse and then re-sperse in order to mm-hmm. like change direction more efficiently. Anyway, so Jake is a tiger, so he can't really like run for long periods of time. So he is tired. The tiger is tired. And he is like, maybe I'll climb this tree. That'll totally work. And the fleek just starts like shredding it basically. But... Meanwhile, this is why there's multiple Animorphs. Rachel has been dropped by the Fleek now, right? Cracking and, the pavement. Yeah, she's cracking the pavement as an elephant. And then Cassie calls her name, which then causes Rachel to get more flashbacks. She's just like dealing with a lot of flashbacks. And yeah, they have this exchange between Cassie and Rachel, where Rachel's like, who are you? <laughs> and... She's an elephant, so she's very threatening. She's like, I'm going to crush you or whatever. And Cassie's like, Cassie is the perfect classic person. Rachel. No, well, classic Rachel and classic Cassie. I think Cassie is like the best person to handle mm-hmm. Rachel's meltdown here. Because mm-hmm. Cassie's like, it's okay. Rachel's like, who am I? What is happening? Ah. Cassie's like, you're an anamorph. We're all friends. I'm here to help you. Very soothing. So yeah, that was good. Good job, Cassie. And Rachel just, like, decides that it's okay to trust Cassie. I mean, you know, I would trust Cassie. I mean, who wouldn't? I think also because Cassie uses the word anamorph, which was in one of Rachel's flashbacks. Yeah. So also, meanwhile, up above, Axe is in, like, this box that Visser 3 has put him in. And he's watching the events that are occurring below through the, the blade ship cameras. And... There's just more Visser 3 being Visser 3 and, like, killing some Taxons left and right. Yeah, you do get a little bit of, like, Axe's cultural stuff. He's like, I know I have to kill Visser 3 someday because of my honor. And, like, he killed my brother. Yeah. No, that that is cool. And this is our first or best introduction to that because this is, like, the first time we're hearing from his point of view. Yeah, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting, maybe just because we haven't had Axe's perspective i guess Mm -hmm. so he's in this box he's watching stuff happen a taxon comes in and talks to visser three and in axe's narration he's like taxons usually handle the more subtle work and i was like no that's not true when you think of a taxon subtle well i think they have their their little like claws are kind of Mm -hmm. dexterous and i guess compared they have like a lot of them yeah and i guess compared to hork yeah. Taxon might be more. But I, my understanding is hork are more, like, controllable. And also humans, I think, Yeah, would be. But they're new. 
Yeah. So I guess it's like a combination of the Yurk equipment being designed for taxons and taxons having like, mm-hmm. you know, they have like a lot of little arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they're able to... Yeah, maybe he meant physically subtle. I thought he mm-hmm. meant like emotionally subtle. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> Doesn't that's seem not like true. <laughs> so Marco is like very skillfully down below morphing gorilla as he's driving. He's driving as a gorilla. <laughs> Like, how can this not be in, like, an animated series? <laughs> um, and, which is, you can't really drive. I guess you could maybe drive as a bear, but Gorilla is a... Yeah, Gorilla's a good one. Next best, yeah. more for driving. Oh, and he's also driving over a bunch of uh, yards, like front lawns, racking up the I mean, property you know, damage from the animals. Like, who cares? Yeah, I guess. Are we just fine with that? Like, I'm pretty okay with that. All of these things. I know we've talked about this before, but in, in all of these things, it's like the Animorphs are damaging a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And currently the news reporters are calling the Valique a tornado. Mm-hmm. So is it a tornado that left a bunch of like tire tracks in your yard? Or is it just Absolutely. some vandalizing kid who did that? I guess either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, all you are going to do is like... The Joneses is just shake your fist at the sky and go to Home Depot, right, get right. some more new sod. You were probably hoping to go to Home Depot soon anyway. This is just an yeah. excuse. So Cassie is riding on top of Rachel as an elephant, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and then she's sort of filling her in on, I guess, the entirety of the Animorphs. Cassie's a human, right? So, far. Yeah. so it's like a human riding an elephant being like, okay, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then she morphs Squirrel. On top of the elephant, which is also pretty cool to... Uh, oh, yeah. This is the part when Rachel's like, you can do that. That's not too small. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are problems. Even though... Oh, Rachel had a flashback of morphing ant, though. Yeah. But, but I guess she knew that she, was bad. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was. And also, like, maybe she was thinking, oh, that was just a nightmare. Was, there's no way. Maybe it was because we morphed something small that that was bad. Yeah. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> So then Marco crashes the truck while being chased. Well, what happened was the the bug fighters, I think, started mm-hmm. coming after them. So yeah. so now they're dealing with dragon beams, mm-hmm. like not just the Valik, but they didn't account for, I guess, the Yerks also coming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, so he crashes. And then their kind of narratives coalesce and he crashes near Cassie and Rachel. And Cassie is morphing Squirrel. And uh, the Valik is... a Overhead, this is kind of where Cassie's weirdly prophetic dream sort of happens and that she doesn't decide to like morph more to distract it. And then the leak carries Marco off. Right. Because they had had this conversation, which I don't think we touched on, but they were basically like, oh, so basically if we just never morph again, we're totally fine. We could just give up the whole fight. And there's kind of this like. Hmm, do we stay safe or do mm-hmm. we, but we have to, this is the right thing to do to like mm-hmm. go after it. Um, but this is the first time that we've seen somebody like mid morph, just stop mm-hmm. and allow the Valique to like pass over it. Mm-hmm. Cassie gets all angsty about this moment later on too, but Rachel is also there during yeah. this time. Rachel's just not torn I mean, up she's about just it. An elephant. She's like, whatever. But, you know, Rachel could have demorphed yeah. and had the Valique go after her. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just because Cassie was in mid-morph. Yeah. And we also have just heard from Marco 
who in his narrative is like, I'm too injured. I got to demorph. I'm demorphing. Like, there's no question about it. I have to, no matter what. So in my mind, this wasn't even an issue ethically because he just needs to demorph. So you might as well have it take one instead of two. Right. Cassie is very cognizant of what is Mm -hmm. sort of ethically Mm -hmm. the best thing to do. I think she just thinks of, like, intention more than, like, being pragmatic, right? She knows that she is not demorphing because she has the intent to stay safe. You know, it does make sense that Marco has to demorph, all right? He's got to demorph, might as well demorph and live. But in her moral consideration, that is not the primary factor she's using. Right, right. And I I think that makes sense for her that in mm-hmm, that moment mm-hmm. she's like, but am I, I'm not a good person because I'm, I'm choosing to save myself so that some, somebody else ends up getting taken. But what I'm saying is I don't think she knew at that time that Marco like had to demorph. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if she had known, would that have changed her? I think it would have because she would have been absolved from the, like the choice that she made. Mm-hmm. I think what, what is stressing her out is that she, had the chance to like think about mm-hmm. saving Marco mm-hmm. and then didn't save him. But in reality, I don't even know if she would have been able to save him because I think it might have been able right. to get them both. That's one of the things I love about the Animorphs. Not just the big moral questions they raises, but there are like mm-hmm. a lot of little thorny problems they encounter along the way that yeah. sort of test their consciences. Most of those things come from Cassie, too. She's all messed up about it but you know she's not messed up about it i mean she's very she's very wise you know yeah she's thinking about these things no she is she is the one who thinks the most about it which i think is very interesting okay so 2020 after this (laughs) after this sort of rot scene axe sees one of the animorphs get swooped up by the, the leak and it's not revealed to us which one it is but then it dumps Marco off at the blade ship. And so we see that it is Marco who is carried off. While Axe is watching. He morphs fleet, which is so small that you can't really see it. And then some hapless minion opens the cage, I guess, to go in and look for him. And then this R3 just promptly kills him. Yeah, yeah. What he then decides to do, like, when he escapes, he jumps on Visitor 3, mm-hmm. which then forms the basis for this whole thing that ensues. But while he's on Visitor 3, he demorphs, like, a little bit to get a little bit closer to Andalites, but mm-hmm. he's this, like, giant flea. blob flea thing on Visitor 3 and then goes back to being a flea. And when he's a flea, he's like, oh, I was once again no bigger than a comma on this page. And I was, I was like, gonna, yeah. how do you know what I'm looking at, Axe? <laughs> but yeah. I think it fits. I think it fits with my with my thing. Mm-hmm. Have I told you about my thing already? Yeah, your theory that the these Animorph novels are the diaries of the Animorphs that they set into writing, like, mm-hmm. during slash some after the events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do think this fits, you know, because, like, he's familiar too. with the product that is yeah. being made. So anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> so Axe is a flea on Visitor 3. He partially demorphs, which attracts the Valique to Visitor 3. Then Visitor 3 is like, no, this is backfiring. And it calls <laughs> for water, uh, which Axe, as a flea, sees the Valique is made up of little little mini bugs. Mm-hmm. And they are 
vulnerable to water. The water will like trap them mm-hmm. in its little droplets, boom, boom, boom. which doesn't seem like it kills them necessarily mm-hmm. because obviously the Volique still lives after. Or maybe yeah. it does kill them. I don't know. And like just some of them died. I think maybe it like renders them immobile for as long as they're in the water. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's why I was curious about it because I was like, does it kill them or does it just immobilize them? Because mm-hmm. if it just immobilizes mm-hmm. them, then the ending isn't really the ending, is it? But anyway, right, so Axe is now aware of this mechanism and Axe escapes from the drop of water that trapped him, jumps on Marco, and it's like, okay, Marco, let's jump out. <laughs> and then they jump out of the blade ship into the atmosphere. and A gorilla and a flea just falling. And Marco was like, oh, my God. And Axe is like, dude, just morph into something that can fly. Obviously, it's fine. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Bro. <laughs> well, it is pretty suspenseful because they're like morphing human and then morphing a bird. Axe does end up freaking out towards the end. But, um, but you know, of course, they just make it. Uh, so they morph bird just in time. Meanwhile, back on the ground, Rachel has been hit by the truck. And when she falls over, she has a bunch of flashbacks that essentially bring most of her memory back. And I thought that this would translate really well to television because you can like yeah cut play to all this the, and then that yeah and like then. it's like a flashback and then another one and then they start getting like faster and faster and faster. Ooh, and then yeah, you yeah. like Brrr, and then on fade her face, to black. yeah, and then and she's like her face. <gasps> exactly. I remember. <laughs> I, I like in your notes how you've said it is definitely not the case that having another hit on the head will restore memory. So listeners out there with retrograde amnesia, do not attempt this. Yeah, well, right. Like, obviously. So, OK, probably not true that being hit on the head will make you forget what happened before being hit on the head. But even if that did happen, there is no way that getting another massive hit on the head Mm -hmm. will allow you to be like, oh, yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, the evidence just doesn't support it. (laughs) Sadly, there's not enough. Don't try this at home. (laughs) Clinical trials out there. What we need is more randomized trials is what you're saying. You get randomly assigned. So only people with concussions, you get randomly assigned to get another concussion or not. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how you can make it blind. Yeah. Can't really blind that. Yeah. We'll have to work on it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so they all, so Jake and Cassie and Rachel, they go home. They're all sad because Mr. Three has Marco and Axe now. Mm-hmm. Jake has some angsty time thinking about it all. Um, how they just have to be like done, I guess, with being animorphs because this thing is just always going to get them. Yeah. But then... Marco wakes him up and he's like, oh my gosh, I thought you were whatever. So Marco is his Marco self. He, <laughs> he, uh, also helps Jake get ungrounded basically, uh, by smooth talking. Yeah. Smooth talking <laughs> Jake's dad. <laughs> so Jake's dad, underrated character, I think. Yeah. He's like, I think it would be fine if Jake just cleaned the garage. I would be willing to look the other way. Just clean the garage. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So Jake gets ungrounded after cleaning the garage. And then they go to rally the troops and make a plan for counterattack. 
So they're at the woods. Uh, Tobias, it's kind of sad that he missed out on all this stuff. But he has, you know, he has a lot going on. It is kind of weird that he just, like, wasn't there. Yeah, I mean... But I guess they don't really have a way of, like, communicating. They they can't text him. They definitely can't. But But I guess he can't morph. Morph, so he can't help distract the leaks, so... Anyway. Poor Tobias. No, exactly. He's destined to be left out. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Cassie is feeling guilty, as we've discussed. And then she drops the fact that she has a plan that is not revealed to us, the reader. And she also, because she is all, like, angsty about not saving Marco before, but also, realistically, because she's the best at morphing, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, it's got to be Cassie that does this. Which is why I feel like this is kind of a Cassie book. All right, okay. We can can talk about this. The defense rests. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they're kind of doing whatever the plan is. And Tobias is circling up ahead, and then he tracks down a whale. Meanwhile, he is, like, angstily, I guess, talking to himself as he does when he's flying. Yeah, but he's thinking about how he, he's like, I can't believe Cassie thinks that she, whatever, because obviously I'm the weak link. I mean, he, yeah, he can't morph, so. It is rough. But this book, I mean, yeah, it's just, I guess we have this theme of, like, insecurities, Mm -hmm. Mm self-doubt, you know, which is topical for yeah youth yeah and i think a, a common theme in the like in the first person narratives i think we talked about this last episode mm-hmm. but like in their narrative we often see thanoris being insecure about their yeah. identity um which is nice it's like relatable for yeah, your average yeah you know 25 year old reader yeah which i am normal people who are reading this book yeah of adult age. Um, okay. So <laughs> he spots a whale. Then Rachel, Cassie, Marco, Jake morph dolphin. And then she, Cassie goes and acquires the whale. This is sort of a highly yeah. technical maneuver because they have to like support her. Yeah. I had to human. like reread parts of this. So That's they like all good. go with her. They're all dolphins. Yeah. But then she has to. Acquire the whale as a human. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. So, Cassie is going to demorph on the whale, acquire the whale. Yes. Morph to cockroach. Yes. Then Tobias scoops her up, Air Force Tobias. And basically, if you have not sussed out the plan, it is that she will morph whale midair and then bring the leak down into the ocean. Right. So she, so it's a very awesome plan. So he's going to go as high as possible basically yeah. because she needs time to demorph yeah. and then morph whale mm-hmm. after having already morphed dolphin. Yeah. So it's a triple morph. It's a triple morph, yeah. which has not been attempted yet. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts and the, the most moving is, is Cassie, but he also has to fly really high over water, which he's not good at due to the lack of thermals. There thermals, are no thermals. Thermals are like a warm, elevator in this guy obviously uh and then the other animorphs are remorphing and demorphing dolphin in the water to like keep the bleak focus on the water to allow cassie time to mm-hmm. gain some altitude mm-hmm. um another thing is the whale there's some yeah there's some stuff going on with the whale the whale has some stuff going on yeah so cassie w- when the dolphins are all like approaching the whale the whale is like 
oh, there's a thing in the sky. Be careful, little ones. And yeah. you're like, dude, this whale is awesome. It's like this, it's like Dumbledore yeah. of I the mean, ocean. I mean, we also got some magic whale stuff in book four, which is the one where they go find axe underwater. Oh, it gave them pictures of where the ship gave was. pictures of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like beamed into their mind and not yeah. thought speak. Um, so they're enacting the plan. Mm-hmm. She acquires the whale. Tobias is carrying her up. They have kind of this heart-to-heart, which I thought had an awesome quote. Go for it. Where Cassie is, like, worried that she's not going to make it. And she's like, Tobias, are you ever afraid? And this is kind of a Cassie-Tobias moment, which we don't really have that much of. We have, like, Rachel Tobias. Mm -hmm. But um, he's like, yeah, I am afraid all the time. I'm a hawk. So, you know, happens. Um, And then she's like, how do you handle it? And he's like, who says I handle it? There's only one way to deal with fear. Be afraid. Be afraid and then go ahead and do what you have to do anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's not like a new idea, but it's just, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a variation on like quotes that already exist. But I thought it was just, Mm -hmm. it was nice that Tobias was being all wise. Yeah, it was very wise. Um, So after that heart to heart, uh, he... Tobias just kind of lets Cassie go, and then she demorphs back to human, which uh, calls the Valique. Then she remorphs Whale, and she's basically just doing this as fast as she can. She's totally exhausted because morphing sort of takes your takes some energy from you. Um, and then she is eventually caught by the Valique, and then. Uh, we, I guess, cut away from her, from her narration as she's remorphing whale as fast as she can. Yeah. And she's like, she's basically like, I'm too weak. I can't do this. But she like feels the whale. She has mentally, some help from the magic whale. Yeah. Like mentally, uh, brushing up against her brain that the whale's brain is brushing up against her brain. And she's like, oh, can you that help me? That may literally be happening. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like literally the the whale, she can feel the whale brain next to her human brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, whale, can you please help? Oh, I thought that it was the whale in the water, but you're saying it's the whale that she's morphing that's helping her? Well, I think that's one interpretation. Um, but I feel like it's kind of, based on what we know of DNA, they're very similar no well i i thought that it was the whale in the water because the whale in the oh, water knows that the valique is a monster like so the whale the, in the water was like i'll give you my mental around. energy mm-hmm. yeah i i kind of interpret it as calling on the the whale's like instincts or the the whale like mind i guess that she now has in her to like give her extra strength mm-hmm. yeah it could be both they're not mutually exclusive yeah, that's true yeah but either way, a whale is definitely helping her out somehow. Yeah, the whales are are pretty awesome. Uh, and then Rachel is given the final chapter to narrate, and then she watches Cassie basically just drag the Valique down, execute the plan, and then it the Valique sort of is holding on to Cassie too tight and then dies. And then Cassie comes up and then sings the beautiful hopeful whale song yeah although one thing that i was thinking was like they don't actually know that the fleek will be dragged into the water you know so like wouldn't it suck if they did this whole plan and then the fleek was like oh 
as well as falling towards the water. I'm going to let go. Yeah. I guess we do know that the leak is bad at making tight turns. So maybe the same sort of reasoning, like, hopefully we can trap it to where it's, like, too late for it to mm-hmm. successfully. But I still think, like, they no, did not know this was, was going to work. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, that's the book. That's the book. I guess. Do you have anything you want to talk about with regards to the book overall? And then we can do our close reading. Uh, I mean, I think it was just like, or one thing that I was thinking right after I finished was like, I cannot believe how fast that end sequence was. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. all the books that we've had so far, it feels like so much like lead up or like what's going on, what's happening, Mm -hmm. making a plan. Mm -hmm. But then the actual climax and denouement are like a chapter. But this action sequence is so good. Yeah. This is like. I don't know. It's just, it's just so good. I think what it is is that there's no last chapter at the end. Like, I felt like, I know this is not a Harry Potter podcast, but yeah. when I read Harry Potter. We've been over this. There's always, <laughs> should we start no, a Harry Potter no, no, podcast? No. When I read Harry Potter, there was always the fight chapter, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is one chapter, and then one more chapter after. Where he's like, back at Privet Drive. Or it's like the banquet at the end of the year or whatever. There's like something at the mm-hmm, end. Mm-hmm. And this does not have that. So it's like Cassie pulls off this amazing maneuver. They're like, did she make it? Where is she? Did she die on impact? Like what happened? She comes up and she's like singing a song. She's fine. And then that's the book. That's it. I mean, the fat has been trimmed, you know? Yeah. No, I almost. Except for the, my name is Jake part. <laughs> uh no, I kind of like it. Yeah. Snap. Huh. I don't know if I huh. prefer one or the other, but it's definitely gripping. It, yeah, it is. Oh, there was some nice like writing in the book hmm. um, that I just wanted to, to bring up. So here is where Jake has morphed tiger and he's describing the tiger's, I guess, frame of mind. In a rush of sensory information, I heard, smelled, saw the environment around me, dark penetrating eyes, ears attuned to every small sound, a sense of smell that told me stories of deer and wolves and wild pigs that had passed through this area. I like, I really like heard, smelled, saw. Yeah, it's, it's hyphenated, like heard, it, yeah, dash, smelled, better. dash, saw. Yeah, I think that was, that's really cool. And I think it was a nice way of like capturing tiger consciousness. Like, maybe the tiger hears, smells, sees, whereas we don't really, our, our perception is just not the same. Was this book written by K. Applegate? Yeah. All, all the... Megamorphs. All the Megamorphs? Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting, because I, I almost feel like this this was more artistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than some of the mm-hmm. regular series ones, mm-hmm. but I don't know, you know, maybe yeah. you just spend more time writing a Megamorphs book. Yeah. You know? What did you think about the bouncing around narration? Like, oh, what, I love what, that. Uh-huh. I think it, you have to work more as a reader to like, you yeah. know, what's going on. That's kind of cool. <laughs> um, but okay. I mean, I was reading these as a, as an adult. Um, <laughs> I think if I were reading it as a middle schooler, I think it would be even more like intriguing in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time I read a book like that and I was like, wait, what? 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 Um, so yeah, I, I really like that device. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Uh, do you have anything else to say before we do our clips? No, no. I, you know, it's a good book. Yeah. So I guess as a reminder, we do a close reading. We choose a random page in the book and then choose a non-random passage from that page. Then we read it first in the context of the series so far. And then after we cut to... Where do we cut to? The spoiler zone. <laughs> <laughs> then we... Uh, Our fans love when I say that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, then we read it in the context of the series as a whole. So I guess, would you like to... Randomly generate a number? Mm-hmm. Maybe a number between 1 and 227. 59. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so this is while Rachel is in the woods and doesn't know who she is or anything. She's in human form, and she happens upon a yellow shirt. Um, She just kind of had a flashback to seeing a store full of clothes, and and then she saw that there's a a shack. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The yellow top was hanging on a clothesline. I duck-walked left to see through the front doorway. It was open. There was no light inside the cabin. Any thoughts? First of all... What is duck-walked? Duck-walked. Yep. (laughs) Does that mean walking sideways? I feel like that's crab-walked. So what is duck-walking? Did she duck and then walk? Yeah, I was just thinking that maybe she ducked... Maybe she walked while ducking. Do you feel like looking it up? Oh, sure. Oh! The duck walk is a form of locomotion performed by assuming a low, partial squatting position and walking forwards, maintaining the low stance. It is similar to stalking and prowling. All right. It is most widely known as a stage element of guitar showmanship popularized by rock and roll guitarist Chuck Berry. Huh. I gotta say, I wasn't expecting that. Neither was I. Neither was I. All right. I guess one thing, um, there was no light inside the cabin. Kind of makes me think of, like, the lady that she is about to encounter next controller. You know that saying, like, the light is on, but nobody's home. Huh. This is the opposite. The light is off, but somebody's home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I was thinking, like, the cabin is the brain. Yeah. It's it's empty. Like, there's no yerk in there. Mm-hmm. You know? The yerk has, like, left it empty. Yeah, and the door's kind of open. destroyed her brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the yellow top? I guess yellow, like, yerks? Is that what you're thinking? No, I'm just asking what you thought about it. What What does the color yellow mean to you? Why is it a yellow top? I think it's to be, like, very incongruous. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I feel like red, maybe red would have been too symbolic, but I feel like the yellow highlights, like, how far removed from normality the situation is. It's, like, kind of like a, uh, like a, a cheerful yellow top hanging on a clothesline. It's, like, a very 
It's like a very, I don't know, bright, peaceful, happy image, you know? And then you walk into this horrid cabin where, like, somebody who is destroyed by the Yerks tries to set you on fire. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like a sick perversion of yellow. Yeah, wow. That was beautiful. Thanks, thanks. I don't know, maybe red would have been... Maybe red would have... Orange would have worked or something like that, but... No, I like that it was yellow because yellow is more happy. She's in this... Yeah. The The older woman is in this, like, delusion that she's in this happy store. Hmm. Yeah. I see. And also, and also, I agree with what you said about the juxtaposition, Ooh, as it were. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you when you hear the yellow top was hanging on a clothesline, I, I I think of like a rural or suburban happy family that hangs their laundry up to dry. There's like yeah. a white picket fence. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. No yerks. If there's a cabin, there is light on inside the cabin. Sure, sure, totally. Probably smoke coming out of the chimney. Yeah. Oh, but not because somebody's burning in the basement. Yeah, not because... Just for the normal reasons. I like that the door was open and that it was not, like, ajar. Yeah, yeah. Um, But she's in no position to be... Yeah. ...elaborate. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like the temptation is often to call doors that are open ajar. I thought ajar means slightly open. No, yeah, but I feel like I, I agree. I just feel like. But uh, yes, you see it all the time. The door you see was it ajar. All the time, you know. The door was ajar. The door no, was it wasn't open. It was ajar. Nobody ever says the door was open. Yeah, it's too easy. It's too simple. Exactly. Exactly. You you get it. <laughs> um. So I like that the door was open. I was kind of feeling like uh, Rachel going into the cabin. Or, like, being curious about the cabin is a very racial thing to do. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to go explore this cabin? You know, you don't. But she just wanted yeah. to see what was up. Yeah. Like, everyone knows in the horror movie, don't, don't no, go in right, the cabin. exactly. If you see a cabin, maybe don't go near it. Maybe go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's hanging on a clothesline? What's the deal with that? Does this woman have a clothesline? How long has she been here? Well, if theories are to be believed, she's been here for seven books. But, uh, yeah, I don't, how I don't much know. Is it? Yeah, I guess this is an ongoing discussion. It's like, how long is a book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like months, I guess. Long enough to have a clothesline, obviously. Long enough to have a clothesline. She's like living off the land, you know? Like, yeah. how does she get food? That Well, that's what I was thinking. How does she get a clothesline? Does she go to town and then steal it and then go back? That's very possible. I mean, maybe she, maybe for whatever reason, since she got there, she's like, I need a clothesline. Clothesline. That's what I need. For sure. Maybe she packed it before she left. That's, that's possible. Anyway, um, I think that's all I had to say about this. In the series. In the context of the series so far. Yes. Well, I guess that concludes the spoiler free section of the show. Wow. So this is where we leave you guys. Although you can stick around if you read the whole series. So that concludes the spoiler-free section of our show. Thank you for listening. And join us next time as we read Animorphs number eight, The Alien. In our professional opinion, this is a must-read book. Uh, All right. Well, if you have not read the rest of the series, get out of here. See you later. See you later, guys.